Congrats on the dream job. You after this for years, ain't you? Leave nothing but footprints. Kill nothing but time. Morning, Ranger. 114 spawning over. There's no database for people who go missing in the national park. And there are a lot of similarities between these cases. Everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cats. This is Mike. Joining me as always is Mr. Venom. How's it going, Venom? Greetings and salutations, potential park rangers. I'm doing pretty well. Enjoying the woods and uh, hoping to not get swallowed up by the forest. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm doing better. I just got over being like sick in a household of being sick with all the family so it looks like we're all on the men so that's good and uh start to another week so also with us it's don and ellie what's up don yeah what's going on always happy to be here all right so this week we went with uh lovely dark and deep there was a few choices out there the problem is we're kind of in that situation where nothing Nothing stands out as like overly like appealing, like a like a must watch, must cover. So we're kind of in this spot where like we get close to our deadline and we end up just picking something. So uh, we ended up going with Lovely Dark and Deep. So let me get the synopsis off IMDb. Lennon, a new backcountry ranger, travels alone through the dangerous wilderness, hoping to understand the origins of a tragedy that has haunted her since she was a child. Well, that sounds a little uh, ambiguous. Wait till we get into our <laughs> thoughts of the movie. So I'll I'll start with Venom. Lovely, dark, and deep. What did you think of the movie? Well, uh, without giving away too much spoilers, I think ambiguous is going to be the word of the day. Um, this movie starts to tell a very compelling story. You know, people, hikers, and park rangers are coming up missing in this um, certain part of the woods. And this woman, Lennon, who is a new park ranger, you know, moves into the park and starts her own sort of investigation because of ties that she has to this uh, area of the woods. So, you know, it's not a story that we haven't seen before. Uh, let me start with the positives. First of all, this movie's gorgeous. The, the, this is some of the prettiest cinematography and scenery that I've seen in a long time. And even aside from that, there's some gorgeous imagery in here. There's some imagery of a black deer throughout this movie that every time it shows up, the shot is just beautifully, um, you know, c uh, composed. It's set up nicely. Um, really nice score. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't get in the way of the film at all. Adds a nice tension to it. Um, performances. I thought these performances were, you know, they're very, they're fairly subdued. Nobody really gets too excited or loud, uh, except for maybe our main character. But for the most part, it's, it's some fairly subdued performances. But I think they do what needs to be done to kind of convey the mood and, you know, kind of what's going on in these woods right now. Um, my issues with the movie is really going to be its ambiguity. Like this, this movie, it, it has elements of Lovecraftian horror. It has elements of almost like interdimensional horror. 
almost like something like Stranger Things or um, Insidious, you know, where they have like a parallel universe. Like in Insidious, it's the further, and in, you know, in Stranger Things, it's the upside down. So, I mean, like I said, not the most original story, but I thought the tension was good throughout. Obviously, the scenery is beautiful. The whole movie takes place in a national forest, so it looks amazing. We get some really, really cool shots, some low-angle shots looking up at the trees. We actually get a few of those. Um, just overall, the technical prowess of this movie is definitely there. Teresa Sutherland, as the writer-director, I thought did a really, really great job with this one. I will say the writing maybe suffered a little bit it because of its ambiguity i'm the kind the problem with this movie and not every viewer is going to have this issue i have a problem with horror movies that don't have a physical antagonist so movies like cabin fever where it's just you know a virus going around or or the movie virus for that matter um when there isn't a tangible antagonist it's like i don't know it, it how can i put it it's hard for me to be scared for people in a movie when there's nothing physically stalking them. If it's just like a pres an, an ambiguous presence in the woods, that just doesn't do it for me. Um, like I said, uh, I can come up with other examples of movies like that. You know, it's usually virus movies like that, virus horror movies that don't have a physical antagonist that tend to kind of like even 28 Days Later. Yes, that's a virus movie, but there are physical antagonists there, you know, the, the rage virus people. So, you know. So with a movie like this, and, and and I hope not everyone is like this, you know, because I, I think a lot of people will enjoy this movie. I think the art house crowd will definitely be into this one. Like I said, it's beautiful, beautifully shot, beautifully put together. When the movie ends, I don't know, it just leaves you with kind of a sour feeling because it leaves me, the character that we've been following the entire movie makes a decision at the end of the movie that sours her to me. Um, and it just makes me feel like, well, you went through all this shit just to be another part of the problem. So, you know, you came in here to try to be the solution and you just ended up being another part of the problem. And that's just not compelling to me. On top of the fact that, like I said, the ambiguity of the antagonist, what's actually going on. I mean, we, we, by the end of the movie, you kind of know what's going on. You know what the rules of this forest are and things like that. But... Like I said, the fact that there's just nothing, there's no tangible creature, no slasher, no, you know, just no physical antagonist. It just uh, the, the, the sense of dread isn't there for me in movies like this. Like for the first half of the movie where I thought there might be a physical antagonist, I love the tension. All the stuff in the woods and the, the nighttime scenes and, you know, all the whispers in the dark and everything. Like that, that was all cool. Once I made the realization that there really isn't that much of a physical antagonist here and that it's more of a mystery in the woods type film, it just left me wanting more. And, and then, like I said, because of the decision of our main character at the end of the film, it just left me sour all around on the film. So I'll leave my general thoughts at this. It's a beautiful film. Technically, it's near flawless. It's cinematography, it's score, it's acting, it's direction, it's editing. Like, all of it is stellar. It's just this story that kind of, it, it's just a little too ambiguous for me. And this is coming from a guy who does enjoy ambiguity. I mean, I love Lovecraft. Lovecraft and cosmic horror almost never gets explained by the end of the movie. And that's fine in those style of movies. Here... It, it this just feels like an hour and a half long short horror film. You know how when you watch a short horror film, it's usually like one set piece. You don't really get a lot of context. It just kind of happens. Like maybe there's one character in it and they're being stalked by some entity or slasher and then they get killed and the short is over. Um, that's kind of what this feels like, but it's an hour and a half long, which isn't necessarily the greatest compliment. So... I'm going to say that um, cinephiles are going to like this movie. Hardcore horror fans, I think it's going to leave a little bit to be desired for them. But overall, I'm more positive than negative on the film. Like I said, more for its technical prowess, for its um, its performances. I thought the little girl did a great job. Um, 
I thought our main actress, even though she maybe had a little bit of an issue emoting at certain times, um, I still think she did a fine job. So, yeah, overall, a very watchable film. But if you're if you're not a fan of incredibly slow movies with very ambiguous endings, then I would probably go ahead and skip this one. Otherwise, I, I would give this a mild recommend. That's all for me. All right, let's kick it over to Don. <clears throat> Yeah, um, I I don't have much to add. Um, I, I think Venom pretty much nailed a lot of my thoughts on it. Uh, the the, co- the concept is fine. I don't mind it. It's you know certainly intri- you know intriguing enough. I think there's a you know fine psychological storyline at the center of everything. Uh, you know her struggles to you know reconnect with the tragedy that happens, the you know strangest appearances, and how everything comes together. I think all of that is uh, fine enough for this kind of a film. A a lot of the tactics at the later halves just start to become a little repetitive and it it doesn't really clarify much. Um, And a a lot of the scenes just tend to feel like, like you were saying, like it's just, you know, ambiguity for the sake of trying to, you know, prolong the story or just, you know, keeping things, you know, ambiguous until we're ready to reveal them at the last minute. I, I don't, find those kinds of films enjoyable. I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of with Venom. I, I like the idea of, you know, a, a clearly defined and, you know, it, everything has its place, but I, I like the idea of it knowing what it wants to be. And it doesn't come off like it knows what it wants to be. It feels like this is, you know, a, a haunted forest. It feels like this is some kind of, you know, past tragedy come back to, you know, bite her. And it feels like it's, you know, this strange situation that everything's come together all at once and none of it really makes much sense. And it it doesn't really have that kind of gripping central figure for me to latch on to. I mean, you know, I I do want to follow her story and I do want to see that, you know, she gets some kind of resolution to her problems, but... Yeah, other than that, I, I don't have much to grasp onto here. I mean, the the film looks great. The forest looks incredible. You know, the deer just adds, like, this, you know, sense of, om- you know, this ominous presence that, it, it, you know, it, make, it lets you remember that you're actually watching a horror film instead of just, you know, this drama about this woman in the woods. But, it, yeah, it just feels, you know, way too much like, you know, okay, well, we're – we know that there's something here, but we're not going to reveal what it is because we want the surprise to be at the end. And I, I'm not a huge fan of that kind of storytelling. And it just comes off like it's a film that was originally planned to be a short and then just stretched out to a feature length. I mean, this is like what barely 85 minutes. I mean, you know, you can probably pretty easily pad it, you know, or not pad this up, but like trim this down to, you know, maybe like 30, 40 minutes. And, you know, get rid of some of the redundancies, get rid of some of the hauntings and kind of, you know, streamline everything, you know, maybe tell everything at a little faster tempo, faster pace and, you know, get this done, you know, in like half the time even. So, it, it, yeah, it, it's not bad, um, especially considering the crap that we've had to watch this year. I mean, this is probably like my second or third favorite film that we've covered, but it, yeah, even still there's, it's not that I hate the film, it's just it's not a style that I particularly gravitate to. And I, I think that's my just my main overall take with it is there's nothing technically wrong with it, but it's just more the presentation is just not a style I enjoy. And I, I'm kind of with Venom. If you like this kind of thing, I can understand very easily this being a much higher film on your, you know, much higher thing than this is. But, yeah, if you're expecting a little bit more traditional kind of storytelling, if you're expecting a little bit more kind of, you know, making things happening a little bit more frequently, I can understand this being, you know, a kind of a drag to get through. But, yeah, I, I don't really know, like, much else to add other than what he said because I'm kind of, you know, even still just repeating what he said. But, yeah, it, you know, again, not bad, but uh, – I, I, I don't know really what else to add to it, so I guess I'll just uh, leave it at that. 
All right. Um, <clears throat> I also pretty much fall in line with Venom and Dawn here. I, I did like the setup. Um, I think, like, the isolation feeling, you know, being a ranger, because they're, like, way deep out in the forest, you know. This isn't, like, you, you know, the, the station, like, right when you first go camping and you're still kind of in civilization, like, they're obviously, you know, they're out there for forest preservation, so they got to be way out in kind of, like, the middle of the nowhere area. So I think that setting itself is naturally or it naturally lends itself to the horror genre. There's lots of potential of what you could do with it. And I would say the setup is pretty good. I also agree the cinematography. Man, whoever was responsible for that, they I think they were punching way up uh, as far as, like, budget. <laughs> and I, I would not have expected there, – there's a scene, and this isn't any type of spoiler or anything, but there were uh, our main ranger and – or ranger in training, I guess, and another one of the rangers – they have a kind of dinner at night, like under the stars, just sit, you know for the situation. And we get a shot of kind of like a expanse of like waterfall over like the mountains. And I, I was like, what business does this kind of movie have looking this good? Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, like I I, I kind of did a double take because yeah, that person should be getting work, and I'd love to see what they do with like a, a bigger budget. Um, because yeah, it looked incredible. Uh, the score was cool. Um, you know, and I, so I, I kind of, I, I actually am kind of a fan of like the, the ambiguity in some movies. The problem with this one, it just like, I, I feel like once it starts going down that path, it just, they keep trying to throw things at it, at it just to deepen the ambiguity and not really making sense of what's going on. I like the fact that it kind of feels like they're, doing, like, a horror twist on the fact that, like, you know, there's always stories every year where, like, oh, random person or hiker or camper out in the middle of the woods, they go missing, and there's really no real explanation. They they probably, like, got injured, got hurt, and, you know, their body's missing, or they got eaten by, like, animals or, you know, something happened where there there's no real explanation. And I like kind of like the movie sort of as a play on like that and putting like a horror twist like oh what if they didn't just randomly go missing and they're stuck in some type of like cosmic uh <laughs> cosmic happening a time loop or so, you know whatever exactly is going on here i like that concept and i like that idea i don't have any problem with that in theory i just i think this movie it starts to kind of like get a little big for what it needs to be with some of the ideas and if they just would have kept it a little, and I don't mean like running time, but just like story-wise and like writing, if they would have just kept it a little more tight and compact, because I felt like we got most of it. Well, I'll say I got most of what I needed from just kind of the setup and, and the first kind of like instances of supernatural stuff. But then like it kept trying to expand and get bigger and like, okay, let's add this element and that. And I was just like, okay, we – we don't have the scope here that like to do all this, so just knock it off. And then by the end, like Venom said, that there's a decision made. And man, I, I I still liked it okay though. Like I I would still say watch it, especially compared to like some of the stuff I've had to sit through so far in, in this year. But um, I just feel like it, it's an okay movie that had the potential to be much better. And I thought it was setting itself up to be. Like better, like through the first through the first act, I was like, okay, like depending on what we where this goes, this could end up being really good, and it just it 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 didn't like keep building on that. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it, it, it's an okay movie. Um, I you know I'm still gonna say watch it just for probably the setting alone and the cinematography and uh, the main uh, ranger. Chick, wasn't she from Barbarian? Is that where I recognize her from? I'm trying to look yeah, at her IMDb. Her. Okay, that is her. Yeah, I knew she looked familiar. Um, but yeah, I, I'll leave general thoughts at that just because I don't want to repeat things already said. But um, I, I, it's, it was an okay, it was an okay movie. So back to you, Venom. I will give the movie credit for one thing. And I know this is kind of silly, kind of a niche thing, but as a podcaster, it makes me happy. Uh, our main character actually does listen to a true crime podcast uh, while she's hiking in the forest the first time. And I just thought that was kind of a cool element because, you know, 
a, a single character walking around the woods, it's kind of hard to make that compelling, you know, no matter who they are. It's just one person walking around the woods. They're not doing anything in particular. They're literally just hiking. So to actually add that podcast in the background, which is giving us exposition at the same time, I thought I just thought that was kind of well done. And, you know, anytime you can use a podcast as uh, exposition. I agree. I, I, I'm always down for that as a podcaster. So might be a little bit of a selfish like, but I liked it nonetheless. Uh, yeah, I mean, what what else can we talk about that's kind of spoiler free? Once, once Lenin actually gets to, let's, let's just call it the dark place for now, uh, there's some pretty interesting imagery that's displayed throughout here. You know, there's that shot of her mother biting back her cuticle to the point that it goes all the way down to the bot to the base of the finger. So it looks painful. It's literally one of the most painful things I've seen in a horror movie in a while. Next next to like dental torture, man, something about skin just uh, always gets me. So but but the thing is is that in and of itself, out of context, it, it didn't I don't it, it's just random images, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot of rhyme or reason. In that same sequence, there's a scene where her father stabs himself, which is like, what? Like, I don't understand what that means because he didn't do that in real life. It's not like her parents, you know, committed suicide after the catalyst event of the beginning of the film. So there is definitely going to be a learning curve with this movie. You may not get everything right away. I think most savvy fans by the end of the film will understand what's going on. You're just not going to get an explanation as to why. You're not going to get an explanation. Yeah. You're not going to get backstory, you know, any kind of history, nothing. Yeah, speaking of, like, single, like, scenes in a vacuum where, like, if you if you remove any context and you just look at it for the scene itself, I thought there was a cool scene where uh, in the background you see something coming down a tree. And it was yeah, like, that was, that, cool. was that, that was, like, really cool in itself, but it's just like, I don't. But like as as we, you know, the next stuff starts happening. You're just like, okay, what exactly? Why was that it happening? Was that, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they do the same thing with one scene where they show somebody like crawl behind her tent briefly, and then when mm-hmm. she looks, the person is gone, and it's like, this this is why I started to think like I I actually started to think that the park rangers themselves were the antagonists. After a while, you know, after about a half hour into the film, especially because of the way Jackson was treating her, you know, Ranger Jackson, obviously she's new, she's a trainee, maybe that's just his, you know, um, mentoring style, but yeah, it definitely felt like those, like all throughout the film, it felt like the Rangers knew more than they were letting on. I, uh, I had that feeling too, that maybe like the Rangers were like playing the role of like keepers of the... Mystic Forest or yeah. something, you know, and like well, I, I thought it, like, at first I thought it was a traditional slasher. I thought it was just going to be the, the Rangers or just thrill killing hikers. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was going turning into a slasher, but yeah, especially with the camp scene, uh, the scene when she's in her tent and something is stalking her outside mm-hmm. her tent. I'm like, I'm like, that's probably another Ranger fucking with. Yeah, her. see, even the, even that even that was a good sequence. It's just that there was so much. Like yeah, like you said, there's there's like a lot of good individual scenes in this, and it's just that like they when you try to stack them with each other to make a coherent like byline, it doesn't always. But I mean, I guess in some ways, like Lovecraftian or cosmic stuff, you do sometimes get that aspect. But I don't know. In this movie, it felt like even more disheveled than like normal. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, left a lot to be desired. But but like you said, I do, I absolutely agree. There, there are individual scenes in here that are just gorgeous, absolutely beautiful, um, total, you know, craziness, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, not a whole lot to really get into that's spoiler free, unfortunately. Um, I will, I, I, I agree with Don, though, that this movie... This movie is only about 85 minutes long, and it still feels too long. Like, they definitely could have shaped this, – this easily could have been, like, an hour-long, like, short film, or cut it down even more and make it, like, a half-hour segment in, in an anthology, in a horror anthology, and I think it would have been a little bit more effective. Ultimately, the first half is effective. There's that tension – 
you know, all the dark scenes at night in the woods, you know, all the whispers coming from the woods, all that kind of stuff, the hallucinations, like all of that I was down for. But once, once we get into the third act and you start to realize that this is going to be a lot more, I, for lack of a better word, cosmic than you kind of wanted it to, I, you know, I, I think most people are going to start to lose their attention span. I don't know. Uh, I, I would love to. I would love to speak to some other Lovecraftian fans that watch this and see if it's the same thing. Like, because I mean, you can get um, oh, the the endless. Like, you could get the endless vibes out of this movie. Like Mike said, time loop, time loop movies. Um, mm-hmm. For a time, I thought this was going to be a time loop movie. Um, turns out to be more of an interdimensional thing, which you know I'm also okay with. But I just really, really wish we got a little bit more explanation. I don't know, just something, backstory, I just, I don't know. It's a weird one. I I have the same feelings about the end of this movie that I had about the end of Skeletons in the Closet, where it's like, well, what was the point? Like, what what was the point exactly of sitting, you know, making me sit here and watch all this just to, just for the status quo to to remain unchanged when the movie ends? You know what I mean? It feels like Mm -hmm. a waste of time sometimes. But, like I said, not an unwatchable movie and not a waste of your time necessarily. Like I said, if you're, if you're a cinephile and you're a fan of the technical aspects of filmmaking, this is a gorgeous film and should be watched. If you're a fan of compelling storytelling, maybe you don't need to watch this one as much. (laughs) Uh, Anything else you guys want to get into before we get into the spoiler talk? Mm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I think I've got everything. All right, well, this should be, once again, a fairly quick walkthrough. Our movie opens with a scene of park ranger Varney, an older gentleman who is at his ranger station. We see him write a note on a piece of paper. Uh, There's a sign in front of his ranger station that says Ranger Inn, and he ends up taping a piece of paper over that sign that just says, I owe the forest, or I owe the woods a body. That's literally all the sign says, I owe the woods a body, or I owe this land a body, I'm sorry, I owe this land a body. And then he walks into the woods and disappears forever. No one ever sees him again. So after the cold open, after the opening credits, we are then introduced to Lennon, played by Georgina Campbell. She is a new ranger who is, um, you know, uh, the, the she comes off as someone who really wanted to be a park ranger, like it was her dream job and it was like her only goal in life. As she's being trained, we start to learn more and more about her and we realize that, no, her life dream is not to be a park ranger. The reason that she's here is because when she was a child, her younger sister, Janet, was lost in these same woods. And apparently... Through uh, through Lennon's own research and, like I said, listening to podcasts and things like that, she learned that this particular forest has the highest rate of missing people in the world. Um, people are just going missing here constantly, yet the forest is still open. Um, so obviously, you know, with the with the fact that her sister went missing there and then learning all this information, she decided I'm going to try to be a park ranger there and do my own investigation, which is exactly what happens. She ends up getting assigned literally to the same station that uh, Ranger Varney was at the beginning of the movie, the cold open. So um, on her first night, like I said, we find out that her sister Jenny went missing in these same woods. She was supposed to be watching her sister. This happened years ago, obviously. So um, she's the older sister, Janet, uh, Janet, Jenny, Jenny is her younger sister, And, you know, obviously she kind of lost track of her sister for a second. Uh, Her sister disappeared, never found. They only found one of her sneakers, apparently, you know, one of her tennis shoes. And that was it. So here is uh, Lennon now, as an adult, now investigating her sister's uh, um, disappearance. She basically, on her very first night, she leaves her ranger station and leaves a note on there saying, I'll be back in a couple of days, you know, out in the woods or whatever. Uh, And she's literally just hiking all these woods, the same woods where her sister went missing, you know, many, probably 10, 15 years ago. She's now investigating. On her first day there, she's introduced to Ranger Jackson. 
he's kind of the second in command. He's he's kind of like the operations manager, if you will. He's the one who gives orders. He's the one that you report to directly. It seems like the head ranger of the entire um, park is uh, Ranger Zhang, an Asian woman, um, who actually turns out to be a pretty cool character in the film. Um, Jackson, uh, you know, basically, you know, talks to Lennon um, on her first night. Like I said, she ends up walking around the woods and she ends up bumping into Jackson while he's doing his rounds in his assigned quadrant of the, of the woods. All the different Rangers are assigned a certain region of the woods, a quadrant, I think they call it. And that's your area. You know, you're assigned there for 90 days at a time. So it's 90 days on 90 days off. And, you know, they're there, blah, 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 doing whatever needs to be done on her first night on Lennon's first night there. She has someone, uh, a camper, a hiker, knock on her door. Now, obviously, she's terrified because she's, you know, a petite female living by herself in the woods. And here's this guy banging on her door saying that he's injured. Eventually, he ends up following, uh, you know, going out following him. For some reason, the guy doesn't stay at the ranger station. He goes running off. Um, eventually, uh, Lennon does catch up to him and finds out that uh, his girlfriend is missing the person that he was out there camping with her name is sarah so you know um here it is more people now are still disappearing and everybody has the same story when they speak to the police everyone has the same story they were there one second and the next second they weren't they literally just vanished out of nowhere so that you know, continuing into that night, uh, the search for Sarah Greenberg continues. They're searching for her. They can't find her. Um, Jackson basically assigns all the other rangers to do a sweep of the park uh, to look for Sarah, the missing girl, and gives uh, he gives Lennon an order to stay at her ranger station in case uh, Sarah comes back. Um, and obviously Lennon really doesn't want to because she's already aware there's something weird going on in these woods. So she's not about to just sit around doing nothing. So that night she goes out. This is the night after Sarah went missing. She's going around the woods, just kind of hiking, looking for Sarah, you know, and in between all of these scenes, there's just these different beautiful lush scenes of the woods, um, as I mentioned during the non-spoiler section, that black deer that we see multiple times throughout the film that just kind of appears. And then if you look away and look back, he's gone. So, you know, there's obviously so I don't know if this is supposed to be a represent a representation of like the spirit of the woods or the entity that's taking people, whatever the case may be. But it's just a deer. It's not like it ever attacks uh, Lennon or anything like that. Uh, she ends up continuing her search, and then she ends up finding a pair of bloody panties on the ground in the woods. And she turns the corner and finds a woman naked from the bottom. Uh, excuse me. Uh, her bottom half is naked. She's, she, you know, she's clothed on top. She has a shirt on. Um, and she has blood on her hands, and she's bleeding from, you know, between her legs. You can see blood actually dripping out from between her legs. Uh, Lennon confirms that it's Sarah, the missing girl. She, you know, basically hug, you know, Sarah basically, uh, asks her, are you real? Are you real? And Lennon says, yes, they embrace and Sarah has been discovered. Uh, the, the next morning, how is Lennon thanked for finding this camper? She is unceremoniously fired. And why is she fired? She's fired because she didn't listen to her order from her superior, Ranger Jackson, who told her to stay at the ranger station. So literally, she goes out, saves this woman's life, because if Lennon didn't go out there, there's no way this woman was going to survive the night, half naked and bleeding. Um, so she goes out, saves this woman's life, and then gets fired for it. This is the scene where I started to think, do the rangers have something to do with this? Because this, this doesn't even make sense to me, that somebody would do their job to the point where they actually saved a hiker's life and then they get fired. So there you go. So she, so now Lennon has been unceremoniously let go. And that next, the next evening is when the shit hits the fan. 
Uh, Lennon is in her cabin, just kind of chilling out, and she ends up falling asleep on the floor, on the floor of her cabin. No big deal. It's not like it's some major catalyst event. But when she wakes up, things seem different. Like, everything looks like it's supposed to look, but there, she has this very obviously has this feeling of unease. So then she starts walking around the woods, uh, looking around the woods. Um, she ends up camping out in the woods. Uh, you know, after she was fired, basically they said she has to wait five days for the helicopter to come. So she still has to stay in the, at the ranger station for five more days, um, even though she's been canned. Um, and again, Jackson tells her, you stay in that cabin, you stay at the ranger station for the remainder of your time here. And of course, the very first night, she, she ends up, uh, again, going out camping, uh, setting up a tent out, out in the woods, continuing her investigation. That night, something antagonizes her at her campsite. She's not sure what. Um, she sees something humanoid kind of duck under behind her tent, but when she walks around to go see, the person is gone. No idea what's what. Later on in uh, this same evening, we get that great scene that Mike was talking about where Lennon, she's on her radio trying to talk to someone, and in the background, not even in full focus, it's kind of it's kind of hazy because it's nighttime and it's in the far background, we see something climbing down a tree, a human in like a white gown or dress or something like that. And they literally climb down the tree. We see it. We see it the entire time from the top of the tree all the way down. And then when it gets to the bottom of the tree, it kind of dips, dips, uh, dips down behind the tree. And that's when Lennon finally turns around, doesn't see anything, uh, but she does hear something. She goes to look and nothing there. Um, like I said, she's also antagonized at her tent at one point. You know, she hides in her tent, and uh, this is the part where I start to laugh at her because th this this always makes me fucking laugh. When you're a little kid and you're scared of a monster in your closet and you hide under the blanket, that's acceptable because you're a child. When you're a full-ass grown adult and you think somebody's stalking you in the woods, why the fuck would you go in your tent and close the flap? What, is that little thin layer of, of material going to protect you? I it's just, ah, it's so fucking stupid. I hated it. Uh, anyway, she ends up going in the tent. Uh, she sees the silhouette of something outside, potentially about to, like, reach out towards the tent. Uh, but then they just disappear and go away. Um... A little bit later on, she finally gets a call on her walkie-talkie from Jackson. At least she thinks it's from Jackson. And Jackson, the voice on the on the, the walkie-talkie lets her know that there's somebody in her area, a hiker, that potentially might be injured that's missing. She, she replies, oh, I think they were just here at my tent site, but they weren't replying to me, so I didn't help. You know, blah, 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 something along those lines. But then the voice, the voice on the walkie suddenly gets really deep and goes, go search for him. And but she thinks it's still Jackson and that the voice is deep because of interference or whatever. But it's like deep and fucking demonic. <laughs> uh, she decides to get up, look around for her. Um, she can't find the guy, but then the sun starts to rise, and she realizes that she's in a completely different part of the woods than where she thought she was. Just totally different. They're like, something's wrong that she's here. Um, that morning, she gets another uh, communication from, quote-unquote, Ranger Jackson on the radio, and she's like, I'm confused. I, I'm in a part of the woods that I'm not supposed to be in. And the voice on the walkie-talkie just goes, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And, you know, that's when she realizes. And I think at that point, that's where the viewers realize that she's no longer in the woods that she's supposed to be in. There's something going on here. Suddenly, she gets to a part of the woods where on every single tree there's a, a, a missing poster for someone who's gone missing in those woods. She ends up seeing uh, the missing poster for Ranger Varney, the guy from the cold open, the guy that she replaced. And then she ends up running into a missing poster for her own sister, for Jenny. So she knows that there's something fucked up going on. Finally, uh, she continues walking, and she finally comes across Mr. and Mrs. Finley, 
Um, this is an older couple that we're introduced to earlier in the film who are friends with Lennon. Um, they, they frequented the park that Lennon used to work at, but now that Lennon has gotten the call up to be a park ranger, uh, it seems like they're chilling in this, these woods now too. Now, what's really weird about this scene is that she's trying to communicate with the Finleys, but they're not replying. They're not answering. They're not even acknowledging her existence. So, obviously, they don't see her. So, you know, again, gears are turning in our heads as we're watching this. We're starting to put the pieces together. Finally, she starts to walk away, and she sees another park ranger, another female park ranger from behind walking towards the Finleys. She decides to call out to the ranger. Once again, the ranger's not acknowledging her, um, you know, like it can't hear her. Finally, the female ranger gets to where Mr. and Mrs. Finley are eating their breakfast. And the ranger turns around, and it's Lennon. It's actually her. But this image of her is, it's almost like an instructional video, literally. Um, the, let's call her the evil Lennon. Uh, she basically... He looks at Lennon and says, this, this is your sidearm. This is your best friend. And, you know, in the last video, you got instructions on how to oil it, how to clean it. And if you take care of your weapon, it'll be your best friend in the woods. Then the evil Lennon takes the pistol, points it at Mrs. Finley's head and blows her fucking brains out. And right when she pulls the trigger, uh, the real Lennon kind of covers her eyes briefly, but then opens them again. And evil Lennon is gone, but Mrs. Finley is dead on the ground. And Mr. Finley, um, who just went off to go to the bathroom, comes back, realizes his wife is dead, so he's freaking out. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. Finally, uh, the, evil, uh, the evil Lennon explains to uh, the real Lennon that she took something from the woods and that she has to return it. She has to pay her debt to the woods. Uh, she's confused at this point. She doesn't really know what's going on. But then kind of as the movie goes along, the viewer, we start to realize that it was Sarah. Remember, she saved Sarah after being given a specific order not to leave her ranger station. So Sarah was supposed to be taken by the woods that night. And, they, and she probably was taken by the woods, but somehow came back maybe because Lennon went out looking for her, something like that. I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, so now Lennon is stuck in this weird dimension, like I said, very much like the further and insidious or the upside down and stranger things where it looks right, but there's things happening that aren't real, that aren't normal. And like I said, the evil Lennon gives uh, the, the, the real Lennon basically instructions on how to get out of here. Because she took Sarah from the woods, she has to return. I, at first, I thought she had to actually return Sarah, which would have been impossible because Sarah is now in a hospital. Um, but no, she just has to replace Sarah. So the evil Finley shoots Mrs. Finley, uh, excuse me, the evil Lennon shoots Mrs. Finley in the head and then disappears, basically saying, if you pay back what you owe the woods, you'll be sent back to your actual reality. Lennon, in the, basically a, a few minutes later, the real Lennon once again comes across the Finleys, still alive. Uh, the man and the, the woman, uh, basically it's the exact same scene played over where they're having breakfast. They're talking about what they're going to do that day. And then Mr. Finley um, excuses himself to go to the bathroom and the real Lennon pulls out her gun to shoot Mrs. Finley. Mrs. Finley is completely unaware that Lennon's standing right in front of her. Cause like I said, for some reason, the people in this dimension don't see real Lennon. Uh, they don't see the people that aren't supposed to be there, I guess. Um, eventually, she tries to pull the trigger, but she's unable to. She can't kill Mrs. Finley. She ends up dropping her gun, which, of course, anyone who knows me knows that pisses me right the fuck off. Uh, and then she ends up getting a message on her walkie-talkie walkie once again from, you know, quote-unquote, Ranger Jackson. 
This time, the message says, you have to return what you took from the woods or we will keep you. And she's like, well, I can't do it. I'm not going to kill her. I'm not going to kill anybody. And and the the voice on the walkie-talkie says, well, then we'll have to keep you. And Lennon actually goes, fine, keep me then. It's almost like she's made the the, the realization that I'm not going to going to kill anybody to get out of here so fuck it i'm just going to enjoy my time because it is a beautiful woods i mean there's a lot worse places you can be stuck in i would imagine (laughs) uh anyway she ends up getting back to her ranger station not the real ranger station mind you she's still in this fucked up dimension but when she opens the ranger station door it's a fucking mansion inside it's not the single room ranger station that we've been seeing Uh, throughout the film she walks in and there's multiple rooms and she's walking around um she ends up uh, coming to a scene where uh i mentioned it earlier where her mother is peeling is biting her cuticles off her nails but then one she peels it all the way down to the base of the finger fucking ah so painful looking and then it's almost like this mansion, like every room is another either flashback or hallucination or something um, that means something to Lennon. Eventually, she goes into another room, and it's a bathroom, and her father's in there shaving, just, you know, shaving like you would any morning. And uh, he basically, you know, tells Lennon something along the lines of, oh, you know, no, there's nothing there there's not much you could do there there's nothing that you could have done you know any differently blah 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 then the dad takes a pulls out a butcher knife it almost seems like he's going to attack his daughter but instead he jumps he he steps into the bathtub which is completely full of water it's filled all the way to the top with water he steps into the bathtub and then unceremoniously stabs himself in the heart I don't know what that represents. Uh, like I said, we don't really get a lot of mom and dad in this movie uh, from the early scenes. We get little glimpses of them here and there, talking to the police after Jenny went missing, things like that. But definitely just kind of, you know, random hallucinations, if you will, are happening in this house. Finally, she gets to the last room in the house and in the room is Park Ranger Zhang, uh, the Asian woman, the main Park Ranger. And that's where Zhang kind of explains to Lenin that, you know, the, uh, the forest takes. It takes and it takes and it takes. And if you try to take from the woods, they will take you. Which we've already kind of gotten that idea already. <clears throat> At this point, Lenin says to this doppelganger Zhang, I can't do it. I'm not going to do what they want me to. But Zhang says, that's fine. I don't want you to be stuck in here. I'll do it. I'll take care of it. Uh, And then what ends up happening is a bunch of hands come up out of the water because she's standing in about a foot of water for some reason. Uh, A bunch of hands come out of the water and pull her under the water. At the same time, we see a few hands um, come up and grab uh, Ranger Zhang and pull her under the water as well. Then she's like underwater trying to figure out where the hell she is. She sees a light at the bottom, so she starts to swim towards it. And then the the camera kind of flips over, and she comes out of the water, and she's in the lake at the park, and she's back to her reality. Uh, When she comes out of the water, there's Ranger Jackson, the real Ranger Jackson, at the edge of the water, pulling her out of the water. As he pulls her out of the water and covers her in blankets and everything, he basically uh, she says to him, you all know, don't you? You all know what's going on here. And then, you know, Jackson doesn't exactly answer, but it's pretty obvious that he does know what's going on, that there's something going on with people missing, blah, blah, blah. Um, so after that, Jackson is, uh, Jackson is able to save Lennon. And then we get a scene where Lennon is back in her park ranger uniform. So apparently maybe because now park ranger Zhang is now missing. We see her picture on the wall. So she is now in that other, you know, evil dimension, if you will, stuck there because she did do what she needed to do to get out. But she did it for Lennon, not for herself. So Lennon is now free. 
And now it's what? I, some time went by, like a bunch of I, – I forget exactly. It might have been a year. I don't remember what. But I know some time went by. And then we get basically our finale of the film, our epitaph. And what it is is once again all the park rangers are getting together to start a search party for yet again another hiker that has gone missing. This time his name is James. And – they they go out, you know, all the park rangers, they, they get their assigned area for their search, and they go out. Sarah, in her, excuse me, I keep saying Sarah, I'm so sorry. Lennon, our main character, Lennon, she's in the middle of doing her search, and she ends up running into James. Um, and James is basically just standing at a cliff looking out at the horizon. She walks up behind James and says, James, is that you? And it looks like she's about to pull out a radio to, to radio in to say, I found the missing hiker. But then before she gets a chance to radio in, James looks at her and says, are you real? And instantly Lennon knows what's going on. She did, she, and this is where, this is the part that really irks the shit out of me. After all of this searching, after everything that she had to do to try to find out what was going on in these woods, now she's just she's just part of it because once James turns around and says, are you real? She realizes that James has been in the other dimension and probably is going to be taken. So she ends up putting her radio, her walkie talkie back in her holster. And then she tells James, no, I'm not real. And then just grabs her bag and walks away. James just turns around and continues staring over the horizon and uh, that's basically it. Our credits roll. So yeah, fucking Lennon. After all this, trying to be the solution ends up just being part of the problem, and is now just another park ranger who knows what's going on here and doesn't seem to care because she doesn't want to get caught herself in that other dimension. So basically, all these rangers that know what's going on are just being selfish and thinking about themselves and letting these hikers go missing. So almost like they're trying to appease the woods. But uh, again, we never get any kind of explanation on what is, you know, what is doing this? What is the entity in the woods that's doing this? Why are the woods doing it? Is there a rhyme or a reason? Why does, why do the woods think that you stole something from them when they in fact are the ones stealing? It's the woods who are stealing hikers from the real world. But then they have the balls to say, if you take something that belongs to the woods, we will take you. Fuck you. That's a double standard. Go fuck off. <laughs> anyway, uh, like I said, a, a very watchable movie, if not a little bit slow and just a little bit too ambiguous for at least most of us here on this show. So, yeah, like I said, if you're going to go into it, go into it with a little bit of caution. Um I'm not sure. I think the movie is just available on VOD. Uh, so, you know, you'll have to probably pay a few bucks to watch it until it's streaming somewhere. Um, but ultimately, I didn't dislike the movie. I just wish it gave me a little bit more. Like I said, I don't need my explanations handed to me on a silver platter, but I would like something. Give me anything. This movie doesn't give you anything. Just the woods are taking people. Accept it. And that's it. And we, you just you either have to accept it or, or or get trapped in the other dimension. And I don't know. It doesn't like those options don't come off as the most compelling, you know. So for whatever it's worth, like I said, good performances, good movie, um, well-made movie, I should say. Uh, just go into it with a little bit of trepidation on its pacing and its ambiguous ending. That's it for me. Yeah, I okay. don't have much else. Yeah, there's not much for me to add. Yep. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it because I don't really have much more to add either. So that's uh, Lovely Dark and Deep and this episode of Fresh Cuts. So uh, where else can we be heard, Venom? What do you have that's new, if anything? All right, Hot Off the Presses, just released yesterday. No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts, episode number 23. On that one, we look at the 2002 werewolf masterpiece by Neil Marshall. Of course, that is Dog Soldiers. 
Um, fun episode, quick episode, thankfully, and uh, just an awesome movie all around. So if you want to, you know, find out what we thought, what all three of us thought about the film, go ahead and check that out. That is available as of today. So as as of listening to this podcast, the new one should be available. It should also be available on YouTube on the No More Room in Hell YouTube channel. So check it out there if you prefer YouTube. And unfortunately, I think that's about all we have. The main show, which was supposed to be recorded last weekend, unfortunately, we had a uh, oral surgery emergency that kept one of the hosts out of uh, the podcasting chair, so we had to postpone that one. Hopefully, that'll get postponed, or excuse me, hopefully that'll get recorded this weekend, and the other big news is the return of the Crystal Lake gift shop, which never technically officially left. It was just one of those things where Mike and I didn't have the free time to jump in and record an episode, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yes, uh, we have set a date to record episode four of the Crystal Lake gift shop. For those who don't know, the Crystal Lake gift shop is an episode-by-episode episode retrospective of the original Friday the 13th, the series, the television series that aired from 1987 to 1990. So uh, sadly, it's been many months since episode three. But yeah, we finally are ready to have episode four done, um, hopefully in the next week or two. And our friend Lacey Liu will be back um, to join us in the shop once again. So look out for that episode within the next two to three weeks, I'd say. And other than that, that's it for me, folks. All right. How about you, Don? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm uh, still on the uh, latest episode of the main show, um, the Tamar Horror Show, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Creature Comforts is available, as you mentioned. Uh, Dog Soldiers, I mean, those of you that follow my main show will know what uh, my thoughts are on that one. Uh, I, I mentioned last week that um, I had the dates mixed up, so um, I, I will say that uh, by the time you hear this, my appearance on the Would You Die podcast uh, will be available. I uh, joined a co-host who had uh, done one of um, – well, I'll mention that one in a minute, but uh, he joined me and we uh, got together and looked at the uh, just Godzilla series in general. So uh, just, you know, basic overview – History of with uh, Godzilla, my uh, you know initial impressions, the you know franchise as a whole, just you know cherry picking mythos memories and films here and there. Um, you know it was a lot of fun. Uh, you can basically find that uh, any podcast service you have. It, it is called Would You Die. Um, it's you know pretty easy to find if you uh, look for it in that way. Um, Still have one or two more um, guest spots that should be coming out soon. Uh, I, I am told that uh, one will be out uh, sooner rather than later, so I'm kind of looking forward to adding that one to the rotation. But, um, I, again, just after last year, I'm holding out until they're uh, either officially released or announced that they're going to be, you know, next one out. So, um be on the lookout for those in the next uh, coming weeks. And um, like I just mentioned, the latest episode of my show, Horror Countdown, is also available. Um, the host of the Would You Die podcast, um, he joined me, and we looked at our favorite monster or villain entrances. So uh, first time you get to see the villain, first time you get to see the main monster, you know, the, basically what we looked at whatever criteria we were going to use, all that good stuff. So uh, that one is available and ready to go for you. Um, I, like I said, until I can uh, reveal the others, I think that's uh, pretty much it for me. All right. And I have nothing to add other than what Venom already said. So that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of Fresh Cuts. Um Next episode, they're still not so we'll be choosing from more of the VOD bin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looks like there's going to be another VOD five or six bin. added. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we've got uh, April, March and April, we're going to be at the theater almost every week. Uh, we've got Imaginary, Immaculate, Abigail, The First Omen, um, Oh, and then one that I'm really looking forward to because I love giant spider movies, Sting, opens April 12th. 
Um, what else? Uh, Godzilla Kong. I don't know how horror that is. That that actually might be saved for another show that Don and I do. Um, but yeah, about that. I, I was wondering about that one. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it looks like March and April, literally starting March 8th, uh, we're going to have a long run in the theater. So hopefully uh, <laughs> 2024 is going to pick up with these next five or six theatrical releases. I'm really excited for Sting. Um, obviously, I don't watch trailers, but I, I just love giant spider movies. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to this one. All right, cool. Well, with that said, thanks, everyone, for listening to Fresh Cuts. We'll be back in about a week with another episode. Let's say bye to our listeners. Later. For the 18th millionth time, stay in the city. Don't go to the woods. There's nothing in the woods for you (laughs) other than death. (laughs) (laughs) You built towns for a reason. Yes! God damn it! (laughs) 